Before we get started with this week's episode, just a reminder that we will be running our first ever live show this November at Glebe Town Hall in Sydney. Head to earlyeducationshow.com forward slash live to find out more and book tickets. We'd love to see you there. Welcome back to the Early Education Show. It's Liam here, introducing our 50th episode. It seems appropriate that we're marking that milestone during Children's Week and with a bit of a special episode. On Tuesday this week, the Early Learning Everyone Benefits campaign held an event at Parliament House to discuss their State of Early Learning 2017 report and invited some guest speakers to address a mixture of senators, members of Parliament and sector representatives. It was a great event that highlighted this important campaign and its ongoing work. I was fortunate enough to be invited not only to attend, but to also record the speeches and then have a chat with a few of the guests. This episode will take you right into Parliament House for this great event, and a big thanks to Caroline Wenzel from the Early Learning Everyone Benefits campaign for allowing us to record an episode there. We'll start with the Acknowledgement of Country, which was provided by the children of YMCA Early Learning Centre Holder, a local early childhood education service. You'll then hear from Sam Page, the CEO of Early Childhood Australia, who officially kicked off this Children's Week event. We are the YMCA Holder. pleasure to um, welcome special guests. We did have more than um, 20 members and senators RSVP today, so I wasn't going to read out everybody's names. I know I normally would. Um, but I would like to say a special thank you to Sue Lyons, Jacinta Collins, Rachel Seward, who I've all seen this morning, and of course, Minister Birmingham, thank you so much for joining us this morning. We know how busy your schedule is and we're very grateful. Um, to everybody else who um, has come, members and senators that I may not have seen yet in the crowd, thank you. Uh, and thank you to our campaign partners and supporters who've come from all over the country as well to be here today to support this event and also to brief um, MPs and senators through the day on the contents of the State of Early Learning report. We really appreciate um, you taking that effort. The Early Learning Everyone Benefits campaign is a collaborative national campaign to increase community understanding of the life-changing benefits of uh, quality early learning experiences. And early learning happens at home, it happens in the community, and it happens in early childhood education settings. And we have uh, brought this campaign into being because we think we really need to lift public awareness of just how much is going on in the lives of very young children and how important it is that they have rich learning experiences across the spectrum of home, community, and early education settings. I won't talk too much about the specifics of the campaign. We're really here today to focus on the State of Early Learning report. Uh, I will acknowledge our campaign partners, uh, Early Learning Association Australia, Family Daycare Australia, Reggio Emilia, Information Exchange, Good Start Early Learning, the YMCA, Gary Australia and Uniting Care Australia. We have another 16 sponsors and supporters that represent early childhood advocates, service providers, community and parenting organisation, Playgroups Australia, the Parenthood, research organisations like ERACI and the Murdoch Research Children's Institute, And I'd especially like to welcome our latest supporter, the University of Wollongong's Early Start Centre. Uh, Thank you so much. This is a really powerful alliance. 
Um, between us, we reach more than 100,000 families, 150,000 children and 100,000 educators. Uh, so we hope that this campaign is here to stay and really will make a positive impact on everyone's understanding of the importance of early childhood. I'm now um, delighted to introduce uh, Megan O'Connell from the Mitchell Institute. Uh, Mitchell helped us with the analysis of the data for the State of Early Learning report uh, and she's going to give us a quick snapshot of the key findings of the report. Please welcome her to the stage. Thank you, Sam. Um, I too would like to acknowledge the traditional owners of the land and pay my respects to their elders, past, present and the future. The Mitchell Institute's been really pleased to partner with ECA in the Early Learning Everyone Benefits campaign on the state of early learning. As an institute, we're really committed to improving outcomes for children and for young people. We're really concerned that a significant number of young people don't go on to complete their education journey and don't transition well into work. We released a recent report that showed that one in eight young people aren't fully engaged in employment and training at the age of 24 and are unlikely to be employed throughout their working lives. The cost for the economy of this is billions of dollars, but more than that, it's the actual individual wasted talent that we're talking about. And one of the solutions to this is absolutely to start early. We know half of all children who start school behind their peers end up staying behind. And we need to ensure we can address this disadvantage through early learning. The state of early learning is a really important report in this regard because it shows where we're doing well and where we have to redouble our efforts so we can continue to ensure all young people and children can thrive. So I'm pleased to talk you through some of the high level findings. We know that too many children start school vulnerable. About one in five children start school behind their peers, meaning they don't necessarily have the skills and capabilities that the other learners in the class do. They might not be able to socialise with their peers. They may not have had the level of language interaction that other children have. We know children from disadvantaged backgrounds are far more likely to be behind other children. But vulnerability does cross across all socioeconomic areas and that's why you can't just target interventions. You actually do need to have a good universal system as well. This is where Australia's done rather well. It really is a significant achievement, the level of enrolments we have in our four-year-old preschool system. Almost all four-year-olds now enrol in preschool and most of them do actually attend. We've done really well to increase our enrolments and attendance over a really short period of time. If you look back in 2008, we had around 12% of four-year-olds enrolled in preschool. So that's fantastic. But we're not doing enough for kids that are younger than four, despite evidence that shows that children should attend preschool for at least two years, starting when they're three years of age. Most OECD countries offer two years of preschool, and lots of them have for decades. Australia hasn't yet gone down this path, but our huge advancement in offering preschool for four-year-olds shows that it actually can be done. Getting all children into early learning isn't the only thing that we have to do though. We have to ensure that we focus on the quality of what we're delivering to the children. The quality of our services is improving. Almost all of our le early learning services now have been rated and most of them, around 75%, meet standards. About one in four services exceed the standards. We need to ensure that more and more services fall into this category because we do need to ensure that we provide our children with the greatest quality of early learning. One of the keys to this is improving the quality of the workforce. Lots of our early childhood workforce has a high level of qualification, 
But one of the things we know is a significant minority of our early childhood workforce isn't qualified. Around 20% of our workforce is still working towards their qualifications. This is something we wouldn't accept in the school space and we should be really making sure that every child has access to a qualified or quite a few qualified educators. Our expenditure on early childhood services is large. We've spent about $9 billion over the last financial year and that's a slight increase over the year before. Of this, Commonwealth expenditure accounts for the most and that's through both the childcare rebate system and the national partnerships. But we do know that Australia has quite a high level of individual spend on childcare services as well and on early learning. We know that around a third of all expenditure on early childhood is covered by parents and families and that can form a barrier to participation for some parents. So there are unique challenges to reforming Australia's early childhood policy. We have different funding systems, different providers and different settings across all of our states and territories. But what the findings of this report suggest is that whilst we're doing well, we need to keep up with our efforts. We need to ensure that we can improve early learning participation, particularly for our three-year-olds, and that we don't lose that vital focus on quality. Thank you. Thank you, Megan, and thank you to the Mitchell Institute. The support you provided with the data analysis and the production of the report was invaluable. We're very grateful. It's now my pleasure to invite Minister Simon Birmingham, Minister for Education and Training to the stage. Uh, Minister, we've had quite a bit to do with you through the um, childcare subsidy debate and the preschool um, universal agreement um, uh, discussions uh, lately, but we're just so pleased that you took the time out of your busy day today to be with us. Um, and can I invite you to the stage? Well, thanks, thanks so much, Sam. It's a real pleasure to be able to be with you today and to join you all. I'm thrilled to follow on from Megan and support this work in terms of the release of the State of Early Learning report uh, and indeed the discussion about how it is we maximise benefits from early learning across Australia. Uh, I too acknowledge the traditional owners and acknowledge that we, particularly as Education Minister, that we continue to learn much more of Indigenous culture and knowledge to build upon it together as a nation in the future. We have many reasons to be optimistic, positive about early childhood education. Of course, the driving reason, the most obvious reason are the young children we had here at the outset and who are up the back, that they inspire, they motivate, they demonstrate uh, the value, the worth and the opportunity that lies in the early childhood landscape but also some of the accomplishments, significant accomplishments, over relatively short periods of time in terms of the enhanced professionalisation of early childhood education and the enhanced participation and access that's occurring across the early childhood landscape. That, of course, has come with enhanced investment by governments, particularly by the federal government in Australia, and that growth of investment is set to continue to in the future, and particularly with the new childcare subsidy program coming into effect next year, a forecast elevation of an additional $2.5 billion of investment in early childhood education, but early childhood education that also supports the dual purpose of better helping Australian families to balance their work and family obligations, to be able to provide the type of support for their children, but also their family circumstances that are necessary. And it's why we've been very keen to make sure that 
the restructuring of childcare subsidies has provided greater levels of assistance to those who work the longest hours but earn the least. It's also why it, of course, is coupled with a $1.2 billion childcare safety net uh, to help to provide focused additional access for those children who need it most. It's come alongside years and years now of investment around universal access to preschool. And as you've heard from Megan, that has had enormous success in terms of enrolment numbers and indeed boosting participation. This year it will benefit nearly 350,000 children across Australia's nearly 11,000 preschools. The preschool market as such remains uh, a, a market of mixed delivery modes. A little over 4,000 dedicated preschool settings and preschool programs, coupled with preschool delivered via around 6,700 long daycare centres. The differences, of course, as many of you who are expert in this field appreciate, across different states and territories are quite stark. Preschool delivery has long been the domain of the states and territories primarily. The Commonwealth's top-up funding as such, though, has helped to really drive transformation in terms of access and enrolment numbers. We do know that the structure, as I say, varies notably, and from that, the way in which support from the Commonwealth also varies notably from state to state. Of course, the Universal Access Agreement notionally sets a similar per student level of support across preschool settings right around the country. But for those in long day care delivered preschool settings, the support that flows by way of anticipated childcare subsidies in the future is close to a further $4,000 per annum per child. A very significant additional level of support that is significantly greater under the childcare reforms the Turnbull government's brought through. This plays through in different ways because in Queensland, more than 70% of preschool is accessed via long daycare settings. Whereas in Western Australia, for example, only around 7% of preschool is accessed via long daycare settings. Vastly different delivery modes across the country, of which there is nothing wrong with that, but certainly for which in terms of policy settings and subsidy settings, we have to make sure that we approach with fairness and equity into the future. But a particular thing that I want to make sure we focus on when looking at the future of preschool access is of course how we maximise participation. And participation by those who have the greatest to gain. Today we, as you've heard, have nearly all children enrolled in preschool in programs that are available for at least 15 hours a week. And our most recent data tells us indeed that enrolment across all cohorts is very strong, that 92% of Indigenous children, for example, were enrolled in programs available for 15 hours a week. But we shouldn't conflate enrolment with participation. Yes, we've seen enormous growth in participation over a period of time, but available attendance data suggests we do still have significant work to be done when it comes to regular participation. Of all the children enrolled, attendance data suggests that around 30% are not regularly participating for the full 15 hours a week. For Indigenous children, this number is even higher, with around 40% not regularly participating at least 15 hours a week. And in some, in some geographical locations, we can see a number as high as 79% not regularly participating. While participation in preschool is not compulsory, these rates are low enough to be of concern, and particularly when we're talking about children who will often have some of the greatest developmental challenges, 
often have some of the most to gain through early childhood education participation, but are the ones who are most missing out on that participation, notwithstanding, notwithstanding the increased availability of that free preschool service and of those subsidies in so many of those settings. So having some 10 years after starting the pursuit of universal access and $3.2 billion worth of investment at the Commonwealth level, we've still got a little way to go to make sure that participation is truly resolved. And as we look to the forward years, I want to make sure that future investments really do target to ensure that we get the greatest support and the greatest participation for those children who have the most to gain. I want to thank, in closing, those of you in the room who worked so passionately in the early childhood space. As a dad to a five-year-old and a six-year-old, I've lived early childhood education uh, at home the last few years. Uh, I know well and truly the benefits that you accord, the many different, many different opportunities that are provided to advance learning and skills that help with the preparation for school. That this is an important, critical part uh, of our educational landscape. It's one though that we must get right in terms of where it goes in the future. And to do that, we must make sure that we deliver the support, as I say, to those who need it most. So thank you for focusing our attention in terms of these areas today, for your ongoing work, and we certainly look forward to continuing to work with you. Thanks so much. Thank you so much. And uh, I think we do all agree with you about um, the enormous gains made in enrolments, but we need to translate that into higher participation rates. And also that we have really coalesced in this campaign. Uh, it's often easy to identify the problems and harder to identify the solutions. But we have coalesced through the partnership um, of the campaign around wanting to provide children with access to at least two days a week from the end of paid parental leave through to the transition to school to quality early learning programs. But that could be a diversity of different programs, um, age appropriate and, uh, and delivered by uh, regulated services, but um, a, a mix of different approaches. So we'll continue to advocate for that and appreciate you taking the time to be with us today and to identify where um, we have some shared work to do. Um, thank you very much. It's now my pleasure to welcome Greg Hutchinson to present his perspective as a leader in the corporate sector on the economic benefits of Australia investing in early learning. Greg is an advisory partner at management consultancy Bain & Company. He's also on the board of Good Start Early Learning uh, and has been involved in the early childhood sector in a number of ways um, through the Centre for Social Impact, Sharegift and, and also Women's Community Shelters on that board as well. Uh, Greg was awarded the mem member, member of Order of Australia in recognition of his contribution to philanthropy, social enterprise, community and business and we're delighted to have you here with us today, Greg. Um, Please come to the stage and please welcome Greg. I'd also like to acknowledge the Ngunnawal people on whose land we meet today and, uh, and also express my appreciation for their elders who have done such an extraordinary job over many millennia in, uh, in caring for this very challenging land that Australians now drawn from all corners of the earth call home. I'd also like to acknowledge Minister Birmingham, thank you, the, um, in being very direct and courageous and also uh, explaining the difference between access and participation or availability and participation. I think the, uh, the point you made there is a very powerful one. Um, early learning has a lot to offer, I believe, in changing the outcomes, particularly for multi-generational disadvantage. 
But as you rightly say, it's about quality and it's about participation. Thank you for that. It's a very, very important insight. I'd also like to acknowledge Chris and Barbara Abbott, uh, who are enlightened philanthropists and also very generous instigators of the early start discovery space at the University of Wollongong. It's another example of where Australia punches above its weight. The, I had the privilege of spending last Friday in the discovery space with Anita Kumar, the Chief Operating Officer of the uh, overall Early Start program, and a highly experienced early learning professional. The work of Anita and the professors at early learning, uh, of early learning at University in Wollongong is highly regarded both in Australia and also overseas, and I came to understand that a couple of weeks ago working with some of the professors from US and European universities. It was wonderful to see so many mothers, fathers and teachers with their children aged 12 months to 8 years in the discovery space, uh, engaging in skillfully directed play, and I think there's an old saying that play is the work of children, to help in their cognitive, communications, physical and emotional development. The discovery space has already attracted almost a quarter of a million visits in just over two years. I'm speaking today though primarily as a businessman and social entrepreneur. But what I'm about to say also matters immensely to me as a father and a grandfather, also as a philanthropist and an Australian. I've spent 35 years as a strategy consultant advising global corporations on growth strategy, um, always with an analytic underpinning, so I do, I do enjoy a good set of numbers. Um, and the state of early learning eliminates some very good news, but also some challenges that we need to urgently attend to. Uh, the good news, as the Minister quite rightly said, is that the participation or the access of four-year-olds in preschool has increased substantially from 12% uh, in 2008 to 91% in 2015. Personally, I think the Commonwealth, State and Territory Governments and the early learning sector should be congratulated on this outcome for children. It's a huge step forward. There is, however, a worrying set of statistics. 23% of children, we know, still start school developmentally vulnerable. This is a challenge we all face, and it matters because we know that if children start school behind, they are likely to stay behind. In addition, 24% currently of 13 to 14 year olds fail to meet expected standards of academic performance, particularly in literacy and numeracy. We know that those are two of the key vectors of the development, both of the child and the adult. Most of these will fail to complete secondary school and 26% of 24-year-olds are not engaged in full-time work, education or training. So let me emphasise this because there's something profound in this set of numbers. What we are seeing today is that almost a quarter of all children are developmentally vulnerable when they start school. A quarter fail to meet literacy and numeracy standards in secondary school and a quarter of young adults cannot access the opportunities that make for a strong and competitive society. In other words, education, employment, and participation in that community. So we know by six years that a quarter of the population almost is unlikely to have the skills to unlock their full potential. That's almost one seat out of every four at the table that will remain empty. A precondition for success in any organisation, the best business, community and government organisations are powered by skilled and talented people. So human capital is really at the heart of this. And it's exciting to see, and I have the privilege of doing this often, seeing high-performing teams in action and to see the results and the impact that they can accomplish. Unfortunately, the situation in Australia is that many organisations that we have today don't see this happen and our community is poorer as a result. 
A recent report released by the OECD shows that Australia has 3 million working adults with low literacy and numeracy skills. These are adults who have come through our, our education system and are now struggling to perform at their best. But while this worries me now, the future is even more challenging. By the time the children we see now in early learning are adults, they will enter a workforce that has been transformed by artificial intelligence and advanced robotics. And this is not futurist stuff, this is that stuff that's happening today. The World Economic Forum estimates that two-thirds of children entering the primary school system today will work in jobs that do not yet exist. Now, employers are already alive to this, and they're already reporting that the skills they value the most in employees are those that will enable people and uh, enable people and business to cope with the rapid technological changes that are already upon us. In addition to language and numeracy and self-regulation that are obviously critical, what employers are now seeking is curiosity, creativity, problem-solving skills, resilience, flexibility, empathy, cooperation, and communications capability. These are often the skills where children are developmentally vulnerable when they enter school. This is an urgent call to action for all of us to help the children of today build the skills to navigate the rapidly changing economy of tomorrow. The good news is that if we invest in children's early learning, the economic return is significant. Even the former governor of the US Federal Reserve, Ben Bernanke, in 2012 said, economically speaking, early childhood programs are a good investment. In fact, very few alternative investments can promise that kind of return. Which is why the Chinese government is currently undertaking a massive investment to give all three to five-year-olds access to early learning. As my friend from, friend from Oxford, uh, Professor Ted Mellowish, uh, likes to point out, they're not doing it, uh, as he says, to, uh, to be kind to the little kitties, but because they want to be the economic superpower by 2050. I'm one of a growing number of business leaders, many of us involved in the Front Project, and Jane Hunter's here today representing that, who are convinced that investing in early learning is an investment in our children and our society to reach its full potential. This is an investment in our future economic, competitive and societal performance, and one of the best investment returns we can find. For this reason, I welcome this report and the work of ECA and other organisations. And a call to action for all of us today is to put aside individual interest and work together to build a common narrative explaining the critical role of high quality early learning. A narrative that will stay with generations of leaders in government, business and community. And most importantly, with generations of parents and families as they play the central role in building a cohesive, competitive and high performing Australia. Thank you. Thank you so much, Greg, and thank you also to Anita who helped us get in touch with you and to Jane who has helped um, make uh, this all happen today and we, we really do appreciate your insights into why investment in early learning makes such good business and economic sense. Uh, and that is a key message of the campaign. Uh, the, the term everyone benefits really does mean everyone benefits because of the social and economic uh, returns from investing in early learning. So thank you again to Greg. It's now my pleasure to introduce Linnell Briggs. Linnell was one of our top public servants. She had the high-powered role of being the CEO of Medicare Australia and is the former Public Service Commissioner. She's now the Chairperson of the New South Wales Planning Assessment Commission and is speaking here today because she is a non-executive director 
on the Board of Good Start Early Learning and has a long-standing interest in the importance of early childhood education and care as a public policy issue. Linnell became an officer in the General Division of the Order of Australia in 2013 for distinguished service to public administration, particularly through leadership in the development of public service performance and professionalism. We're delighted to have you here today. Thank you, Linnell. and good morning to you all and might I express also my thanks to the Minister but also to the kids and their parents who came to us this morning and of course to the Ngunnawal people on whose land we are this morning. After a very long career in the, the public service I'm a really strong believer in governments being brave enough to do what needs to be done. I'm an equally strong believer in evidence informing policy. So that's why I'm really pleased to be here for the launch of the State of Early Learning Report today. Evidence really is the fuel that drives change. Many of you will be familiar with the Heckman Curve. James Heckman was a Nobel Prize winning economist from the University of Chicago. And he started out looking at human capital development at the vocational educational level. He soon realised that the real bang for the buck came from development or investment in the early years, the first five years. This is because this is when a child's brain goes through the most development and when a child is most open to new skills. Enter Jack Shonkoff from Harvard University's Centre for the Developing Child. His work shows that the key window when a child develops executive function skills is between ages three and five. These skills are for self-regulation, cooperation, communication, resilience, planning and so forth. Skills that are absolutely crucial to succeeding in education and in later life, particularly work, but also just fitting in successfully socially. These skills are the key focus of early learning, whether it's at home or whether it's in the centre. So, does quality early learning make a difference? These are results from a Melbourne University study tracking a thousand Australian children from the preschool year through to year three NAPLAN results and shows a 20 to 30 point gain for children who attended preschool led by a degree or a diploma qualified teacher. This is a very significant gain in NAPLAN results from just a year of preschool and is a vindication of the decision by successive governments, state and federal, to fund universal access to preschool in the year before school. As a no nation, we need to build on these gains. The COAG Research Council slide reflects the performance of Australian children in year four in international literacy and numeracy tests by reference to how many years of pre-primary education they had. And the message is clear. One year of preschool is great, two or three is even better. There is a 10 to 20 point test score gain for children who enjoyed three years of early learning compared to those with just one. There are plenty of other research studies across the world that show the same thing, such as the EPPSE study in the UK, the Abbott Preschool study in the US, and OECD studies. 
What worries me is that today's State of Early Learning report shows that Australia's participation rate of three years old, three years in early learning is around 20 to 30 percent lower than that of leading European and East Asian countries. And the children who are missing out on early learning, we heard from the Minister, are the very children who would benefit most. Those likely to start school who are developmentally disadvantaged. We can shift the job for these children and for our nation. Other countries get this and are investing heavily, particularly countries like China, as Greg said, Singapore and Denmark. Policy makers must stop thinking about early learning as a cost or something that anyone can do and doesn't need to be properly funded. Early learning is the best investment any nation can make in its people and in its future. That's why we're here to launch this important report, measuring our progress and demanding more for our children. I encourage you all to read the report and I encourage all politicians to think seriously about how investing in early learning for three to five year olds can improve our nation's performance so very dramatically. We must make early learning for three to five year olds a national priority. In policy terms, it's a no-brainer and on top of that, it's relatively cheap. Thank you. Thank you very much, Linnell. We are really pleased you could join us this morning. The implications for policy and investment are significant and we appreciate you taking us through them. And I have to say, for, for organisations like Early Childhood Australia and our campaign partners who've been involved in early learning for a very long time, we've been talking about this, we've been aware of the research, we've been talking about the economics for a, for a very long time. Um, but it is it feels like there's this swell of support now amongst business leaders, amongst policymakers, um, ministers around the education ministers around the country really starting to turn their attention uh, to the very um, important development that's going on in the early years and the importance of delivering high quality services to our youngest children. I just want to say a final thank you to Greg, to Linnell and to Megan, to Minister Birmingham, uh, to Christopher and Barbara Abbott for joining us today, uh, for our campaign partners, too many of you to mention, uh, to Anita and to Jane who've helped with speech development and um, slides uh, today, and of course to my own team at Early Childhood Australia for pulling this all together. Thank you so much. All right, so I'm here with Jody and Anna. Hello. 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 <laughs> so, so Jody, where are you from? I am from the YMCA. And what's your role, the YMCA? I'm the Executive Manager of Children's Services. And so are you excited to be here at the Children's Week event? Very, very excited. Um, with two different hats. So the YMCA is a partner of the Everyone Benefits campaign, nationally national partner. Um, and the YMCA are also providing the talent for the morning with the children and their experiences and um, an, an acknowledgement to country, which is going to be really exciting. It's really great to see them here. And actually, it's 
nice to be an event in Parliament House that has some children involved. So yeah. not everyone's just standing around awkwardly. We've got some children to engage and interact with. Um, but so do you want to talk a bit, Jodie? So what are the YMCA doing for Children's Week this week in Canberra? Well, this. <laughs> this is the main event. This is, this is definitely one of the main events. Um, a couple of our early learning centres have got um, daily experiences happening to celebrate uh, Children's Week. But another exciting thing in our OSH um, section, our after-school care uh, programs, are actually coming together to hold uh, what we're calling a fate, which is kind of actually turning into a bit of a mini Olympics. So <laughs> there'll be a, a number of after-school cares coming together on Wednesday afternoon to to um, to celebrate. Yay, wonderful. You up for the run, Liam? Definitely not. No, Definitely no, no. Not. I work behind the microphone. <laughs> but Anna, where are you from and what's um, your role? I'm from Northside Community Service and I work as the Executive Director for Children's Services. And so um, what, what's Northside got planned for ah, Children's well, Week this week? Well, very excitingly, we are hosting an exhibition of children's work from across our four early childhood centres, so just honouring the work, the very difficult, complex, amazing and hard work being done each and every day in one of the centres. So we've opened the exhibition up to families and also the local Northside community um, to come and view the work. So it'll be on from today um, till the end of tomorrow, Wednesday. Wonderful. And obviously the event here today is that we're actually at Parliament House, so we're hoping some politicians drop in. And Jodie, you mentioned obviously the YMCA is a great partner for the Early Learning Everyone Benefits hmm. campaign. So are you hoping this, this, this event will have a bit of an impact or will raise some awareness? Yeah, definitely. I think, um, you know, this campaign's done a great job so far, um, but I think it's only really starting to kick off now. Uh, so I think with the State of Early Learning uh, report, uh, we've got some fantastic data and analysis happening to, um, to get where we need to go. So. Wonderful. All right. Thank you, Anna and Jodie. Thanks, Liam. All right, so I'm here with Andrew Hume. Andrew, welcome to the Early Education Show. Thank you very much, Liam. Nice so, to be here. So, Andrew, tell us about where you're from and your role. I'm the CEO of Gowrie Victoria. So, uh, most of your listeners will know the Gowries. Uh, the one in Victoria does a mixture of early learning and adult learning. We've got three of our own services and we do qualifications and professional development across the state. That's how we make our impact. Wonderful. And you're here today for the uh, Early Learning Everyone Benefits morning tea. So does Gowrie a big supporter of the, the campaign? Yeah, all of Gowrie Australia. So all of the Gowries got together and are one of the partners for the campaign, recognising the, well, the importance of the agenda. but. I guess even more important, the importance of us collaborating on the most important issues and the politicians and indeed the families hearing a joined up single message. Do you think it's important, Andrew, that we can actually hold these kind of events at, at Parliament House? What are you hoping might be the outcome of doing this kind of stuff here? Well, I think you make impact with people through a whole range of things. Um, you can do it via research and peers, etc. But I think... Um, face-to-face -face and the connections you can make can possibly give us some of those breakthroughs or uh, perhaps politicians taking a second look at things that they've brushed past. Yeah, and I think it's great we've got a whole range of organisations in the room as well. It's not only the gallery, but we've got a lot of local uh, Canberra organisations, but some external ones as well. Are you, um, are you sort of glad to see the sector sort of starting to come together on these sort of issues? Yeah, absolutely, and there's enough of us here that, um, you know, with some luck, we'll have some fantastic conversations with, with the pollies and there'll be too many of us to control us all, absolutely. <laughs> and uh, who knows, we might get some really nice, constructive and inflammatory conversations going. All right, well, we're looking forward to the event. Thanks for your time, Andrew. Thanks, Leo.
So I'm here with Shane Lucas. Shane, welcome to the Early Education Show. Oh, I'm very pleased to be here. Very excited to be in uh, Parliament today for a, another another launch of our <laughs> Early Learning Everyone Benefits campaign. It seems like they come around pretty regularly, but it's well, great. There's, yeah, there's a lot of resources that have been put together by, by the campaign team and by the Mitchell Institute and others, and really just consistently restating that point about the value of early childhood education both yeah. to children but also to broader you know, society and economic outcomes. Wonderful. So Shane, for, for those who aren't familiar with ELAA, can you tell us a bit about the organisation? So Early Learning Association Australia, uh, we were formerly known several years back as Kindergarten Parents Victoria, um, very much came out of the community parent-based uh, kindergarten sector and I guess as, as the sector's evolved over the last many years, so, so have we. So our, our members, you know, 15, 20 years ago our members were parents that sat on committees of management. Now probably those persons are about half our members and the other members are professional, not-for-profit, early years manager services. So we've really, I think, you know, as, as an organisation we've tried to reflect the, the evolution of our sector which has become more professionalised and, yeah. and, a, and a more, I guess, uh, well, I think well-run sector. And I think on the, on the show we've talked a lot about advocacy and the yeah. importance of sort of standing up for, for educators and for early childhood education. I know that um, the LAA has played a much bigger part in that um, over the last little while. So yeah. how do you think we're sitting with advocacy at the moment? Look, I, I think we're sitting well. I mean, if you asked me that question three or four years ago when I think the, the federal government changed and we had uh, at that point a minister in Susan Lee who I think fundamentally didn't value early childhood education as, as education, yeah. I think Minister Birmingham's a, a much different person. I think he does accept the research. He accepts the fact that this is of value to young children. So I, I feel we've, we've come away. At the same time, we've still got quite a long way to go. So certainly at Ella, we still want to have a conversation with parents in the community yeah. to have them really understand that this is not just about care. Care is an important part of the package but education and developmental outcomes are critical. Absolutely and I think that brings us nicely to the Early Learning Everyone Benefits campaign which is what yeah. we're here today to sort of promote and, and share and it's great to be at Parliament House to be able to do that so um, I know Ella's been a big supporter of that, that campaign so yeah, you, you I hope... think we were um, second cab off the rank to, uh, <laughs> to join the campaign when uh, Samantha Page at ECA contacted me a couple of years ago and my board was extremely supportive and I've always said that for me this campaign's got, got two fundamental one is it's it's trying to make this advocacy point about the value of early childhood education. Secondly, as a sector, we, it, it helps us get our house in order. Um, we probably have historically been a sector that's uh, got divisions by service setting, divisions by geography. The Everyone Benefits campaign is a really great way to get all the organisations, peak bodies, service providers around the same, same table and on the same message. And I, I think it's fantastic. Wonderful. And are you hoping, um, you know, we're going to have hopefully a lot of politicians coming in and out today? So oh, look, we... I, you, you can never have enough <laughs> politicians really, can you Liam? Um, look, I think we'll get our minister, we saw him floating around a moment or so ago Excellent. in the corridors. Um, I think there's certainly a lot of interest um, on both sides of politics, especially maybe, it's one of those things, when a politician I think has a personal connection to an issue they often engage more and I think we see that with a range of politicians that have young children themselves and perhaps therefore are immediately now seeing the value of, of high quality early childhood education. Yeah. So look, if that's what it takes to get a person interested in this issue, we'll, we'll run with it. We'll take it. Shane, thank you very much. Thank you, Leah. All right, so Megan, welcome to the Early Education Show. Thank you. So, um, Megan, tell us a little bit about uh, the Mitchell Institute and your role there. The Mitchell Institute was formed back in 2013. At the time of formation, it covered health and education policy. About two years ago, a decision was made to solely focus on education policy. And since then, we've had a good look at what needs to change in education from early years all the way through to tertiary education. And we've had quite a focus in the last two years on early education. Which is wonderful. And regular listeners to the show will know you're about our favourite people on the
on the planet. So I'm desperately trying to maintain my professional cool here while I'm actually talking with someone from the Institute. But um, you know, I think it's, it's just been fantastic for Australia to have an organisation like yours sort of regularly putting out these fantastic reports that can just be used in a whole... This isn't even a question, Megan. I'm just, I'm just telling you how fantastic you are because I'm not a fantastic interviewer. But I guess, you know, on behalf of the show and the sector, we really appreciate it. But so, Megan, we, we obviously hear at the, at the Children's Week morning tea for early learning everyone benefits. So is the Mitchell Institute a big, you know, sort of a big supporter of those sort of campaigns? Look, we are a big supporter from the sidelines. I guess as an institute, we make a decision not to align yeah. ourselves with any campaign, but most definitely a State of Early Learning report. We realised last year, we put out our report on quality early ed, State of Early Learning came out at the same time, and we thought, why don't we just work together on this? Because there is a need for a good, solid baseline document to see where we're improving and where we need to do a lot better. Yeah. So I think one of the things we've, we've talked a lot about in the show is our, um, the, the need for the sector to come together a bit more on advocacy and agree on some of the important things about early childhood education. So, you know, someone who's sort of sitting a bit outside the sector, what are the things you think we're doing well? What do you think things you think we need to do just a little bit better on as a sector? Look, one of the things I think we're starting to do well on is starting to align under, under some common goals. Things like the need for an additional year of preschool. It's been wonderful to see most of the sector come together on that yeah. and not get caught in the in the squabbles around who should actually be delivering yeah. that. And I think that great report, two years are better than one, will have gone a long way towards uniting the sector on that one, Megan. So oh, look, it was a delight <laughs> and a delight to work with a good start on that one as well. Wonderful. So really pleased we could do that. Um, and is, so can you give us any teasers about anything that might be coming up for the Mitchell Institute we can look out for? Look, our two key goals, and I think we've worked on one of them as far as three-year-old preschool goes, and we're not going to let that one go anytime <laughs> soon, but is on the quality as well, because we know we not only get to, need to get more kids in for longer, but we need to make sure that they get the highest quality provision. So having a look at what elements of quality exist and which ones we need to change. Wonderful. Megan, thank you very much for your Beautiful. So I'm here with Senator Sue Lyons from Western Australia. Sue, welcome to the Early Education Show. Thank you very much, Leah. It's great to finally have you on. You've been a wanted guest for a very long period of time. <laughs> Thank you. Um, so, Sue, it was great. Obviously, you could make the, the morning tea and, and speaking event this morning. Like, What are your thoughts on the, the Early Learning Everyone Benefits campaign? I think it's a really worthwhile campaign. And what I really like about it is, at its heart, it's evidence-based research. And we're seeing that more and more in the early uh, learning area. And uh, we've got a number of uh, indexes. When kids get to school, we've got NAPLAN. But this is the area where we're now getting strong evidence-based policy that we really do need to invest in young children. And we've really got to get uh, formal programs of investment for three-year-olds. Absolutely. And look, so you've had a long history of, of advocacy as part of your career before joining the Senate. Um, what are the things you think the sector, what are some tips you get? What, what does the sector need to do better in our advocacy? Well, uh, my, my hackles got up a little bit when I saw the term investment and uh, the billions of dollars that uh, are supposedly in invested. I mean, they're not invested into early childhood itself. It's investment via a subsidy that's paid to parents, which is means tested. So we need to invest in educators by lifting them out of poverty wages. We need to invest in excellence. We need to spread the number of centres that are, are getting above uh, in the um, in the uh, you know in their achievements. That's really the next stage for us. Is yes, get uh, get the fee relief right, um, sort that out, put it to bed once and for all, and let's really see 
proper investment into wages and into what's actually happening in services across the country. Absolutely. Well, speaking of wages, obviously United Voice is continuing to run the equal pay case at Fair Work Australia. It's now into its fourth year, I think, of, um, no one's quite sure where it's at. Um, and look, it's obviously not something you're directly involved in now, but are you, are you hopeful that might lead to some, some positive change? No, I'm not hopeful because the wages are way too low. It, it, you're asking um, the Fair Work Commission in an adversarial system to say that actually educators need to be earning $35 an hour as a minimum when they're sitting on between $20 to $23 an hour. It needs, firstly, it needs investment by government to lift the wages to um, a meaningful wage that then can be built on. It's not meaningful now. And there's nothing, Fair Work is not going to uh, order the sorts of increases that are absolutely way overdue. So what do you think the solution is to the, to the wage issue? I still think the solution is some initial investment by government into a direct wage subsidy. Uh, because the wages are too low, yeah. they are way too low and maybe the Commission might give 3%, maybe it might give 5%. Uh, we know from the last case that United Voice ran that was a reasonably significant wage increase but of course because it hasn't been built on, its wages have remained low so it needs a boost then Fair Work need to make a determination, in my view. And then one last thing, Sue, before I let you go. Um, obviously, uh, Kate Ellis will be resigning at the next election. She's been Labor's early childhood spokesperson for quite a long period of time, and I know that um, we've been lucky enough to have her on the show a couple of times. Uh, who, do, we, do we have an idea of what's next for Labor in the early childhood space uh, with that no, key person uh, going? Way above my uh, pay grade, <laughs> Liam. I'm, but I'm sure, given it was Labor who uh, introduced the significant reforms to the sector that yeah. made such a difference quality to quality, yeah. um, then uh, I would expect to see more from us. Okay, wonderful. All right, Senator, thank you very much for your time. Thanks, Liam. So I'm here with Carolyn Wenzel, the head leader campaign of the manager. campaign manager <laughs> of the Early Learning Everyone Benefits campaign. Carolyn, welcome to the Early Education Show. Oh, thank you. You know, it's so great to be on the show because I'm usually listening to it and I think what you guys do is fantastic for oh. um, giving, having a conversation about all the things we need to talk about in, in early learning and early childhood education education and care. All right, well, I'm going bright red, Carolyn, so let's move swiftly along <laughs> to um, the event. So people are, the tea's being packed away, things are being done, we're at the end of the event. Um, it went fantastically. Are you sort of happy with um, the, the messages and everything that came out today? Yes, look, what was really um, heartening was to hear um, people from different um, parts of um, our community um, all saying exactly the same thing. So we had um, Greg Hutchinson who has a long history in business and he still is um, a, 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 what is he, a management consultant with an, an important firm and he's mm. set up offices in Asia and um, very committed to people understanding how important it is to invest in early learning. Yeah, and he's not your typical early education advocate. No, no, not in, indeed not. And that's the whole point of the Early Learning Everyone Benefits campaign, that, you know, all of us who work in the early childhood sector, we absolutely know how important it is and we are totally committed to providing the best quality education for children today and yeah. feel frustrated when there are obstacles put in our way to yeah. do that. But what we really need, and the whole point of the campaign, is that it goes outside of our sphere, that people outside of early childhood education 
get that light bulb switched yeah. on. And that's why it's so great to hear from people like Greg Hutchinson and from Linnell Briggs, who used yeah. to be the CEO of Medicare, um, to uh, if, when you have people like that saying how important it is and how um, children really thrive later in life when they get all the right inputs early, yeah. um, that's when you'll start, we hope, start getting more of the community, the general community, realising that early childhood education isn't just about, you know, how safe is it a place to leave my children yeah. and how happy are they, but really understanding that they are getting um, vital developmental support that will increase their chances of doing as well in school yeah. as they could. It, you know, it's about maximising their potential. Yeah. And really, really important, and what the other thing that we heard come through in all the speeches, even from the Minister, was um, that the children who really benefit the most from having access to early childhood education are the more vulnerable children. Yeah. Children where you know, their families might not have books at home, where the parents might not have had a great um, education themselves. Uh, and early childhood educators and the services can be these fantastic partners to help them so that their children have an even better chance in life than yeah. they did. It's very hard to disagree with the evidence once it's once it's put out there. Yeah. Um, one of the things we talked about today as well was the State of Early Learning report. And yeah. we, we did an episode a couple of weeks ago yeah. that really looked into it, and it's a fantastic report. Um, how's that been received since we sort of had a sort of semi-second mm. launch here with, yeah. with Minister Birmingham sort of talking about it. But mm. how's it's been out there for a you know, month or so now. How's it been received? Well, what's been really heartening about the report too is that we've had um, academics and um, people who have been around the sector for a long time all saying what a fantastic... Um, document it is how it's the thing that we were hoping that it would be is like you know an all-in-one um, gives you all the right stats um, so that you don't have to go hunting for the CEQA report and yeah. the AEDC report and um, the participation report and I think actually one of the things that we have in there that isn't elsewhere is uh, actual documentation of the investment levels that each yeah. state puts into yeah. early learning and being able to compare them with each other. It's great. I'm very happy I've got a hard copy in my bag now as opposed to yes, my printed out version. Me too, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't have my own hard copy, I was just going off the so PDF. i to get a nice printed version. That's yeah. more from my favourite part about coming um, to Look, the things. other thing that's great about it is all the infographics. Yes. So <laughs> they will, we're hoping you all get to see the infographics and share them here. Absolutely. <laughs> They're easily tweetable. Exactly. Everyone. Very, yeah. very important. So keep staying. I, what my hope is anybody listening will um, get on to www.everyonebenefits.org.au or just Google Everyone Benefits and get on the campaign page and join the campaign because that's one of the key ways that we can demonstrate the community, the broad support for all the ideas that we all care about. Um, if we, we want to have 50,000 people join the campaign, well right now I'm going to share with you we've got 6,000. So we need bulk, especially leading up to the next election. And the other thing that people can do is um, get on our Facebook page and like it, because that's the other way we can measure how many people are engaged with the campaign. And that's actually where you'll get to see all those infographics, get to share them, um, get to have your say. We'd love to have more people backwards and forwards <laughs> with us. And, all right. well, um, that's your homework, everyone. Yep, yep. And, and we're also looking for people who want to write blogs for us. Um, educators who can talk about talk us through their process of how they communicate about the importance Wonderful. of early learning with with parents and families. Um, Lots of yeah, exciting things. Yeah, everyone, get in touch with me. I'll give you my email address. It's c at 
earlychildhood.org.au. And we'll put that on our show notes as well. Yeah. But Carolyn, well done for today and thanks for speaking with us. Oh, thank you so much, Liam, and thank you for the great work that Early Education Show does. Thank you. <laughs> you have been listening to The Early Education Show, hosted by Lisa Bryant, Leanne Gibbs and Liam McNicholas and produced by Liam McNicholas. Find us online at earlyeducationshow.com and while you're there, it would be great if you could hit the Support the Show tab where you can become a patron of the show and support us for as little as $1 a month. We really appreciate it. Get in touch with us at earlyedushow at gmail.com or on Facebook and Twitter with the username earlyedushow. If you're enjoying the show, please leave us a rating and review on the Apple Podcast Store. This really helps other people find the show. See you next time.